What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Cat Brooks. In 2022, United States police murdered 1,096 people. By the end of January of this year, law enforcement murdered 79 folks. And we don't even know most of their names. There were no marches, rallies, rebellions, or hashtags for them. Most of their families grieved in silence and solitude. It's critical, y'all, to understand that police murders are just the tip of an egregious iceberg of transgressions against our people. Law enforcement serves as a militarized, occupying army in our communities and neighborhoods. They racially profile, sexually assault, and wrongfully incarcerate our folks. If we don't know what's happening, then we can't fight back. We can't adequately organize a response. So, every week on Law & Disorder, we kick off our Thursdays with a roundup of news related to state terror. We hope this segment serves to expose, agitate, and build. This is the State Terror Roundup for the week of March 6, 2023. Following a coordinated hunger strike across California prisons, CDCR officials agreed seven years ago to drastically limit their use of solitary confinement against thousands of prisoners, even though Dana Sims of CDCR keeps publicly denying that they use solitary confinement at all. Nevertheless, they made the agreement now. A federal judge says officials have punished one of the lead organizers of that campaign, Todd Ashker, by concocting evidence that has kept him in an isolation cell for nearly the last six years. She said the prison system has also retaliated against at least one other participant in the lawsuit, but said the inmate's identity could not yet be disclosed. Asker said it is gratifying to be vindicated in this way. Vicki Waters, though, a CDCR spokesperson, where's Dana? Hmm. Vicki says the department always makes housing decisions based on individual case factors, including the department's duty to protect, which implicates the safety and security of people under our care. She said the department plans to appeal the ruling. No surprise there. Asker, who was 59 and from Contra Costa County, was held in solitary confinement for 29 years and was also the lead plaintiff in the inmates lawsuit in 2012. The suit challenged a system that allowed solitary confinement for gang affiliation, which officials sometimes determined merely by an inmate's tattoos or by letters or books they possessed. In solitary quarters that they call the SHU, security housing units, folks are kept in concrete cells for more than 22 hours a day, are fed through a slot, and have said they are punished for trying to talk to other inmates. In other words, they are tortured. In the settlement... CDCR agreed to return as many 1,800 people, half the total then in solitary, to the general prison population. But a federal magistrate found in January 2019 that prison officials had regularly fabricated claims of information from confidential sources to classify images as dangerous and, you got it, shoot them back to the shoe. Source, Bob Igelko, San Francisco Chronicle. A federal judge said this week that she will begin fining California potentially tens of thousands of dollars daily after more than 200 prison inmates killed themselves during eight years in which state corrections officers failed to complete court-ordered suicide prevention measures. Addressing a chronic tragedy that has plagued the state for decades, Chief U.S. District Judge Kimberly Muller said she will start the fines April 1st, $1,000 a day for each of the 15 unmet safeguards until all the state's 34 adult prisons are in full compliance. At the same time, she will impose fines for the state's failure to hire enough mental health professionals. Not that mental health services should be happening in jails and prisons anyway, but if that is where we're going to continue to send folks who need comfort and care 
then they should at least have professionals there to be of service to them. In court filings, surprise, surprise, state officials objected to Mueller's setting an unworkable, all but impossible standard, impossible standard to make sure that people don't kill themselves. People that are in your care 24-7, 365 a year, really impossible and unworkable. Workable. They pointed to lower suicide rates uh, each of the last two years after two decades of California consistently exceeding the national suicide rate for state prison systems. Suicides in California prisons have long been seen as a key indicator that the prison system isn't providing, sorry, I can barely read this with a straight face, providing adequate mental health care. Source Don Thompson, Kaiser Health News. Mario Woods, Jessica Williams, Luis Gangora, Pat, Kita, Icky O'Neill, Sean Moore, Alex Nieto. These are just a few of the people the San Francisco Police Department has murdered over the years. And let's not forget the brutal beating of Dakari Smith and hundreds of others. Then, of course, there is the illegal surveillance of George Floyd protesters using a woman's rape DNA kit to charge her for a property crime and the refusal to release use of force records. This, you all, is the police department that London Breed wants to reward with a raise. Yep, don't build permanently affordable housing. Ignore the call and need for injection and rehab centers. Don't clean up the streets of San Francisco. Instead, give the useless, violent, and ineffective SFPD more cash. San Francisco and the association representing its police force, they are not a union, cops are not labor, have tentatively agreed on a new contract that would give the police a 10.75% raise over three years. The proposed deal, reached after several months of negotiation, must still be voted on by the Board of Supervisors. That could have meant in the past, right, that it wouldn't move forward, but with um, Breed's folks on the board now... We are not so sure. The contract would make San Francisco the Bay Area city with the highest base wage for entry-level cops. Presently, the starting salary for a new San Francisco cop is $103,116. I'm going to say that again. Starting salary, $103,116, according to the department's website. After seven years, officers uh, could earn up to $147,628 per year under the current contract. Under the proposed contract, a new cop would see his first year salary rise to above $108,000. Officers with more experience would also see 3% raises when they hit five years, seven years, and eight years. And what we're not talking about here are unf- unfunded liabilities like pensions, etc., and, and and benefits for the rest of their lives um, that go along with these contracts and increased costs. In an emailed statement, Breed touted the contract as a significant step in retaining San Francisco Police Department police officers and recruiting others to fill future academy classes. Yo, London, what this is, is a significant step in bankrupting your city. Source, San Francisco Chronicle, St. John Barnard Smith. Over the past three months, hundreds of young girls attending different schools in Iran have been overpowered by what are believed to be noxious fumes wafting into their classrooms with some ending up weekend on hospital beds. The incidents were initially dismissed by Iran's theocracy, but now they describe them as intentional attacks involving some 30 schools identified in local media reports with some speculating they could be aimed at trying to close schools for the girls in this country of over 80 million people. The first cases emerged in November and it took a while for officials to begin taking the claims of voice seriously. Attacks on women in Iran have happened in the past most recently with a wave of acid attacks in 2014. 
Damale Cardivar, a prominent former reformist lawmaker and journalist, wrote that as many as 400 students have fallen ill in the poisonings. She warned subversive opposition groups could be behind the attacks. However, she also raised the possibility of domestic extremists who, quote, aim to replace the Islamic Republic with a caliphate or a Taliban-type Islamic emirate, end quote. Source AP News. This Sunday, y'all, March 12th, there is a global women's march for Iranian girls starting at 11.30 a.m. at Market and Fifth in San Francisco that will march to City Hall. More information can be found at bayareaforiran.org. A man was shot and killed by Frederick, Maryland officers on Saturday after allegedly pulling out a knife and refusing to drop it, authorities said. Police are trying to find a man wanted on a parole violation. Not a murder, rape, or robbery violation, y'all parole violation. They were let into the residence without fuss or muss and the man was found uh, in a closet. Not poised and ready to fight them, but in a closet. Cops say he pulled out the knife, not a gun, a knife, and then the cops shot him multiple times, killing him. Source, Channel 4, Washington. On February 3rd, 2015, 37-year-old Natasha McKenna was murdered inside the Fairfax County Jail in Virginia. She weighed just over 100 pounds and was living with schizophrenia. She was tased four times and died as a result of the torturous violence she endured. The first thing she said when six men in hazmat suits arrived at her cell for an extraction was, quote, you promised you wouldn't kill me, end quote. They broke that promise. I tell the story of Natasha McKenna in my one-woman show, Tasha, which is running the next two weekends at Z Space Below as part of the Three Girls Theater New Works Festival. The show stars the incomparable Janae Simon and is directed by the one and only Dr. Ayodele Nzinga. You can learn more and cop pay what you can ticks by visiting threegirlstheater.org. This has been the State Terror Roundup for the week of March 6, 2023. State Terror Roundup soundtrack provided by Coffee Brown, an Oakland musician, singer, and songwriter who has been a force in the Bay Area's hip-hop and soul scene since the early 90s. You can check her out at kofybrown.com, and her website and socials are linked from our site at kpfa.org. Shout out to my producer, Jesse Strauss, for helping me curate the content for this segment. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>